Kelsey and this is KaleidoCast. Let's go. On the podcast today, we have Lizalette. So she's from Briz Kids Nutrition. And I just thought I'd take you through a little backstory on how we met Lizalette, um, also known as our guardian angel. She came into our life as our dietitian after the very lengthy diagnosis of CSID for our little man Tucker, who's currently 18 months old and all kinds of crazy. In short, the condition means that his body is not currently producing enzymes needed to break down complex sugars, therefore requires a very strict diet to keep his chronic reactions at bay. Cue Lizalette. She's been an absolute godsend for our family with her extensive knowledge, understanding and caring nature. And I just knew she would be perfect fit for the podcast to answer all of our questions from lunchbox ideas to quick and easy family dinners that don't consist of only chicken nuggets. And some insight into the very common world of allergies and intolerances that many of us are experiencing in recent times. So a ginormous Kaleido welcome to the incredibly lovely Lizalette. Welcome. Oh, thank you, Kelsey. Really honoured to that you invited me on. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, firstly, Liz, can you pronounce your full name for us in your beautiful accent? <laughs> So it's Lieselect Wisteisen or um, Austeisen is sometimes easier to say. But yeah, it's just, it's been giving me a lot of trouble here in Australia. But um, <laughs> it's a common surname in South Africa anyway. But um, yes, um, that's my full name. I don't think I'm going to um, try and pronounce it. Don't, don't worry. <laughs> I'll go with Liz. I, I, just start, I just spell it. It's not a problem. Good. <laughs> That's great. Um, so Liz, firstly, you've been so uh, incredibly understanding of my family situation. So if you don't mind me asking, who are the faces behind you and um, what's your family look like? So I'm married uh, for 14 years to Chris um, and I have two beautiful daughters, Albie and Nina, um, aged four and six. And we recently got a dog called Sylvie, miniature schnauzer. So, yeah, um, that's that's our little family. That's beautiful. Uh, so <laughs> um, you said you were, you're South African. So I'm really interested yes. in what life looks like, um, you know, growing up in South Africa. Um, can you take us back a little bit to where you grew up and how, you know, what happened in your family? So, yeah, I feel very fortunate that I got to grow up in South Africa. It was certainly, a, you know, a great place to grow up as a kid. Um, Brisbane reminds me a lot of my hometown, Pretoria, where I grew up. The jacaranda trees, the, a lot of the, um, you know, just the, the environment is, is so familiar. It's so familiar. Sometimes I have to pinch myself and go, you know, I'm not home in, in Pretoria, but the humidity then immediately, you know, makes, then I know I'm not in Pretoria because we don't have the humidity. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, yeah. So that was a big shock for me coming to Brisbane, but um, yes, getting used to it now. So yeah, I come from a, um, I have two sisters and um, yeah, had a, had a, as I say, a great childhood in South Africa and looking back um, to the, the exposure we had, like the, safaris and four by four trips up into Africa 
that was all very normal for us. But now looking back, I realized just how fortunate I was that I that I got to do that and experience that with my my mom and dad. My dad was quite passionate about, um, you know, just seeing being in nature and camping. And yeah, so, yeah, I feel very lucky to have had that. Yes, your life um, is like yeah. what most is on most people's bucket list, certainly mine. Oh, <laughs> yeah, no, that was, that's, it, it, as I say, yeah, it's right there on your doorstep. Like you guys have the Great Barrier Reef. We have big, um, you know, parks with the big five. So yeah, every country has their, you know, I'm still to get to the Great Barrier Reef. So that's on my bucket list. Oh, you'll have <laughs> to, you have sure. to come up here. yeah. I will. I will. Absolutely. I'd love to meet you in person. Finally, yes, Kelsey, I know. You and that, would be, that would be amazing. Tucker can take you, yeah. take you to his beaches. <laughs> yeah, I'd love that. I would love that. Um, yeah. So can you take us through, um, Lizalette, your qualifications um, and the education path that got you to now? Yeah, so I um, have a Bachelor of Science degree in dietetics and nutrition, and then went on to do my master's degree. And um, yeah, then so qualified in South Africa, and then we had uh, about nine years in in Ireland where I worked as a pediatric dietitian, and then moved to Australia. And um, in order for me to work here as a dietitian, I had to do exams um, and I did those last year. Um, yeah, I can't, still can't believe that I, that I actually did, did that. It was quite a big undertaking um, and something that for a long time I convinced myself that, you know, I just wouldn't do it, wouldn't be able to do it and I just do a career change, you know. Um, so, yeah, it was... Uh, full on last year um to complete those exams but really glad that I did it so I'm yeah so that glad was that you November did it. of last year <laughs> <laughs> yeah no it's great to be able to work as a dietitian again and yeah I'm really glad that I didn't take the easy easy way out that was that w- would have been you know would have really been um selling myself short I think yes devastating for mm. families like oh. mine <laughs> oh what, what, what brought you to Australia, actually, Liz? I didn't ask you that before. Well, my it was my husband's job, so he got an opportunity uh, to work here, and we didn't see it as a long term um, thing. We we just thought we'd we'd come over, see what it's like. You know, we we were craving more sunshine um, and craving a change of weather so yeah we we came over to see what it was like and fell in love with Brisbane and decided to stay that's amazing so that's yeah yeah that's, so lucky that, that's our story <laughs> yeah and you, exactly. so you came from you came from Ireland to Australia yes yes, yes. okay so did yeah. was it your job yeah. took you from South Africa to Ireland no also my husband's oh, job. So husband's um, yeah wow yeah well, we decided we we were, you know, newly married, uh, wanted to see Europe and just newly qualified. And we could Ireland was um, it was easy for both of us to work there without doing big exams. So we we took the plunge. We were young and naive and we just went over and traveled as much as we could. Um, but then he got an opportunity to um 
a job opportunity that meant another six years in in Ireland and we made the decision to to go for it and stay so yeah it was never intended to be like a long-term um you know it was never a long-term plan but you know that's the way life is very often isn't it you just um yeah things turn out differently than you envision it so yes um yeah but it was a great place to to live during that time and I had both of my girls there in Dublin so yeah it was a great opportunity your girls are going to be um very well traveled by the sounds of it yes yes yeah Yeah, that's true although by the time we arrived here in Brisbane I was done with planes and kids I was just like if I never get on another plane again for a while, you know, yes. obviously to see my family in South Africa. Um, yeah, that's how I felt. You know, traveling with oh. kids is very different yes. to traveling solo. Oh know, my gosh, definitely. just even getting to you, <laughs> getting to you guys in Brisbane was enough for me, and that's like an hour and a half. Uh, so <laughs> I word. take yes. my hat off to you. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, I have a lot of stories. Yeah, and <laughs> some kids. I have a lot of stories to oh tell. Oh my gosh, you don't hear them. <laughs> I bet you've got some incredible mum hacks. We'll have to talk about them next time. Oh. <laughs> Do a whole whole segment on planes and kids. (laughs) Oh, my word. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's so good. Uh, So Mm. you currently work um, with Gillian Dimmick at Briz Kids Nutrition. Can you give us um, a little more on them and what they strive to achieve? Yeah, so um, Gillian is the the owner and founder of Briz Kids Kids Nutrition. And she... um, we're both obviously pediatric dietitians and with special interest um, in children with food allergies. Um, and, but we see children across the whole range of, um, you know, anything to do with nutrition or nutrition advice. Um, yeah. And it's, it's, it's really been, I've really enjoyed working there. I only started working with her in March of this year and have been incredibly fortunate to have um you know that we've that we work together so well um yeah so at the moment that's that's what I'm doing I'm a mum uh first and then and then a dietitian at the moment um but uh really glad that I can still work and you know keep my brain active and do what I love you know, while working that around my kids. So yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. working had, well at the moment. Yeah, so far we've had such a, a beautiful experience um, with Gillian and yourself. So what you guys are doing there is um, really great. So I'll definitely be linking to you guys for anyone else who who needs some extensive thank you. dietary <laughs> advice. Oh. Um, thank so you. can you pinpoint one thing that gives you the most joy in your profession? Um, yeah, good question. I think for me, it's um, being able to help parents, you know, navigate this often very tricky journey of feeding our children well. And I find that, you know, searching on the internet or, you know, some very well-meaning um, uh, social media influences, it, it can it can be very confusing. And often, Um, parents just don't have the confidence or they you know it creates a great deal of anxiety if they if they don't know if they're on the right path doing the right thing so if I can if I feel like I'm helping uh, a family to improve their quality of life by just 
being that source of um, sound nutrition, evidence-based uh, practical advice, then, you know, that gives me a great amount of uh, job satisfaction or joy. You know, that's, that's why I do what I do. I love working with kids. I was never great with adults, I guess. I, I just love working with kids and families. So, yeah, that's, that's my passion. So it's not um, the incredible amount of poo pictures that you have to get through? <laughs> oh, my goodness. You have no idea. You have no idea. Nothing, oh. nothing freaks me out anymore. I'm, no. Yeah, it's all good. All oh, good. that's yeah. so funny. Um, it's a bit concerning when your email fills up with poo pictures, isn't it? <laughs> I know, and when it, full, it fills the whole screen and yeah. you're like, okay, that's it. That's a close-up. That's you know. Oh, I know. That's good. And being a mum who's taken yeah. many a poo pictures, it just gets <laughs> to be very normal, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I hear you. Something you mentioned just then was um, keeping it really simple for families, and you taught me that there is sometimes the simplest things you don't even think about. So can you just give a couple of little recommendations to how easily and simply we can meet our family nutritional needs just in daily life? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think I'll be very honest. I, when I had my first, um, she's six now, you know, being a pediatric dietitian I thought that I you know had it all worked out you know I was gonna do you know these amazing meals and she would be eating you know wide variety of food and just love my cooking and um, you know it just did not work out that way I have two my six-year-old is only now in the last couple of weeks becoming more open to trying you know new foods and actually you know um loving the food that I put in front of her and my four-year-old is still extremely fussy she is um you know and I think it's been it's been a real learning curve for me in terms of just um you know being real about what it's like feeding toddlers and um you know not putting that that pressure on ourselves that we have to do you know, these fancy, amazing, elaborate meals or be cooking and baking every day, making everything from scratch. Um, I've also learned that, you know, I, I don't get joy from spending hours and hours in the kitchen and, you know, <laughs> chasing the kids out of the kitchen because I'm cooking. I Thank get you. more joy from sitting down with them. You are speaking you know, my language. Table. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, and I love cooking, you know, so this is really... Um, you know, as I say, it's been a, it's been a journey. Um, I now ha spend less time in the kitchen. You know, I'll look at a recipe and I'll find myself going, oh, I'm going to make that. And then I'll go, no, that's going to take me, you know, a couple of hours or, you know, I don't have the time right now. I'd rather sit down with my kids at the, at the table because I found myself actually, you know, standing in the kitchen cooking while they were eating mm -hmm. and that wasn't working that was a big part of why my four-year-old would not sit still at the table and you know it drove me insane basically so yeah coming back to your question when we look at feeding our families well um we there's there's three you know basic things that that they that we need we need like an energy food that's your like your bread, your wraps, your pastas, your couscous, your quinoas, 
with a protein that can be like a tinned tuna or a um, like eggs or meatballs or hummus or cheese or yogurt and then add some color, you know, add veggies, add fruit. Um, so it doesn't have to be a complicated meal. It can just be a bento box with all those. I find that works really well with my uh, four-year-old. If I separate it out, I was really stubborn at the start. I um, did not want to um, succumb to giving her a, a different meal than we were having. Um, I was like, this is what it is. It's a spaghetti bolognese. Everything's mixed through. This is what we're eating, right? Um, but she's equally as stubborn as I am. So she would just refuse to eat. And when I took a step back and I asked myself, why am I doing this? What am I trying to achieve by, um, you know, what is, what is the, out like, what outcome do I want? And like the outcome that I want is for the family to be, for mealtimes to be an enjoyable time for everyone. And um, if that means that I have to, you know, not cook two separate meals, but just say, for instance, you're making a spaghetti bolognese, she wants the spaghetti separate to the bolognese, that's easy enough, I can do that. So, and then using those bento boxes or plates that you, you know, that se separates things out um, has really made a difference for her. And yeah, so just simplifying things and listening to our children. Um, some children are what they call super tasters. And I think that's my six-year-old. She is hypersensitive to tastes and uh, smells. She can't stand the smell of bananas or avocados. And that's like my four-year-old's favorite food and, you know, the rest of the fam for the rest of the family. But she won't sit at the table if we're having those foods. But listening to that, because, you know, fighting her on that is not really helping, um, you know, listening to their needs and what they say, um, obviously not giving in to every whim and, you know, demand, yes. but, you know, allowing them to also voice, voice their, um, their preferences. And as long as we're giving nutritious, healthy foods, you know, we know that we're, that we're doing okay. Yeah, yeah, so, I like yeah. that. So mm. it's keeping it simple, but also yeah. I guess, listening to their cues and attempting to, like you said, if it's separate, that's okay. But you know, a little yeah. some things you can um, you can use, and some things are maybe way off the charts and you can't do. Yeah, but um, yeah, yeah, just you got to get, I guess, get to know them and ask them what they want. Essentially, just as long as it's yeah. not lollies for dinner, like Banjo wants. <laughs> I know that's you know that is the key yes ice cream for dinner we can have that for dessert yeah <laughs> but um, yeah just being keeping it keeping it real and um making mealtimes enjoyable yeah I think. and would you say um, like whole foods like like you said vegetables your simple meats like that kind of thing is that um simple yeah meat? yeah yeah I think sticking to whole foods is is very important obviously we all have our days when we we need something that's quick and easy and that we can just take out of the freezer. But if, um, if you can use the simple rule of, you know, five days of the week, we try and eat whole foods and two days of the week, we can have a pizza or we can have, you know, a takeaway or, you know, because do, doing 
that for seven days is it's not sustainable Mm -hmm. and you know you might be able to do that for a week or two and then you'll find yourself relapsing but if you have that five two principle it's it's very doable and kids then look forward to pizza night or you know takeaway nights and and then you know yeah it just makes it more manageable and and easy but yeah I do try and stick to to whole foods as as far as I can and you know using um whole meal bread and you know high fiber for for kids is important mm-hmm. yeah yeah cool. so just um, keeping a balance yeah mm. yeah and that's I guess everything mm. in life isn't it not just food yeah is essential yeah. yeah um we spoke about uh, starting solids so if we just go back yeah. to our our little babes for anyone out there who has um you know, around the four to six months old. Can you tell us a few um, little tips and tricks um, on the best kind of foods to offer? Because there is a lot of information out there, like you said. So what is recommended and is there any really big no-nos when it comes to starting solids? Yeah. So the the whole infant feeding, you know, that initial um, how to feed your baby from the start has um, there's been a huge over, overhaul in the cu- last couple of years. So, you know, it's understandable that parents can f- be confused um, because, you know, the guidelines have changed. So um, the guidelines are now to introduce solids around six months. So, you know, when your baby is developmentally ready. So I guess that's the key word is, you know, they should be able to sit with support, have good head control and just show you that, you know, they're ready. They want to, they want to eat, show interest in food. Um, and then I guess what, what I, the message that I really want to get across is that there's no um, particular foods that you have to introduce at a particular time or a particular order, except for allergens. And I, you know, I can talk a bit more about that if you want, but um, yeah, you don't have to introduce just one vegetable at a time, wait three days um, or, and then, and then a fruit and then a grain or there's, you can introduce them, you know, together, you can do a medley of vegetables, um, you know, add a little bit of fruit. Um, there's, you don't have to, um, you know, just do one thing at a time, because then it'll take forever, you know, to introduce your child to a wide variety of foods. Um, so we're really trying to get, um, you know, get, get them, definitely get, get your baby onto solids by six months, because that's when the iron stores, I'm sure, you know, everyone's familiar with that, that iron stores are depleted at that age. And that's why we recommend to start introduce solids at six months because um, they're just not getting it from their milk feed um, any longer. And then getting iron in, it can be tricky. We all know that trying to get meat into a six month old is, is, you know, they don't like it. They don't like that texture. So um, finding recipes, um, that uh, that children like can often be be tricky around that age. But what I just say is, do your slow cooker kind of meats, you know, softly cooked uh, tender meats falling off the bone, and blitz it to smooth puree with the juices, with the casserole juices. Um, they really need red meat at at six months. That's your best way to get iron in. Um, so yeah, and then mix it with your with your veggies. Um, and then between seven and nine months is really your, um, the age that you want to get textures in. Um, that's when um, they need to get used to lumpier foods. Um, it's um, important for the, um, 
you know, just muscles to do, um, you know, with speech and, uh, you know, mastering those skills. So it's important then to get the textures in. And then from nine months, you're going for finger foods and, you know, getting them to have a go themselves. So, yeah, it's there's there's a lot of information. I guess it's a lot to kind of talk through in um, just one sitting. But, um, yeah, it's um, certainly something that we can advise on and help parents with also. Yeah. 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 And so mm. I, I like how you said you don't have, it doesn't just have to be potato. It doesn't just have to be pumpkin. Mm. I know a potato, yeah. pumpkin and pear, everyone's like, yep, that's, you know, that used to be yeah. <laughs> the be all and end all. That's what you start with. But I like how you can blitz some things up and mix them up and yeah, I guess see, yeah. What, see what they think. I really love that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Otherwise, if you think about it, it just takes such a long time to actually get your child. Like what you want to get to is a variety of fruit, vegetables, meats, grains. If you're just doing one thing every three days, it will take ages to mm. actually get to get to that point where they're oh, having yes. a variety of foods. Yeah. I can but understand when it comes that very to well. Yeah. You know, you know all about that, yes. Kelsey. You know all about that. Yeah. Yes. Um, Actually, I was, you just mentioned with the allergens, I was going Mm. to, um, I have a bit of a segment on that a little bit later, because obviously that's of high interest to me. But um, I did want to touch on that now with the starting solids. um, Is there anything that parents should look for um, if they are, if they may have found something that their children may be intolerant to or um yeah just any little signs that might indicate something like that yeah so it's an interesting question it's a very broad question because allergies can manifest in very different ways but um you know you will immediately know if your child has had um like an ige mediated reaction meaning that you know they come up with hives or um you know swelling or um you know they vomit immediately or Um, So that kind of reaction, you'll know within 30 minutes to two hours. So if your child has reacted to a food immediately, um, it should, and and it's a, it's like an IgE mediated reaction that will show up on a blood test or show up on skin prick testing. It usually happens within two hours and mostly within 30 minutes, but those more delay type reactions can take up to, you know, two to three days. And that's more your gut symptoms, like, um, a child who has really mucusy, um, runny um, poos or um, vomiting or um, abdominal pain. Um, so yeah, those kind of allergies are more more tricky to diagnose because there's no there's no test for them. There's no blood test. There's no skin prick test. Um, it's just eliminating the suspected food and then you know putting it back in to see if the same if the same happens. So if you suspect that your child has had a delayed reaction to a food, um, the best thing to do is to eliminate that food for um, maximum of two weeks. And this is, I guess, really key is, you know, some parents will say, you know, think dairy is a problem and take it out of the child's diet and never put it back in. Um, And dairy is such an important part of a child's um, nutrition or their milk feed. Um, so yeah, two weeks maximum, then put it back in. And if you have no symptoms, that means it stays in. And if you do have symptoms, it's important to then look to, you know, talking to 
an allergist, immunologist and a dietitian to help you, you know, to navigate that that journey. Yeah, that's great. You yeah. have um, you've answered quite a few of uh, what I had coming up all in one there. So okay. <laughs> right. That was that was oh, really great, but um, I do have um, a few more questions in regard in relation yeah. to allergies and intolerances um, coming up. But I just wanted to quickly touch on which I didn't have written down, but it's something that I had no idea about prior to having banjo or tucker um, and learning about the difference and the meaning behind the IgE allergy and the non-IgE. Can you explain yeah. just because, um, you know, for people who have no idea, like me, IgE actually <laughs> stands for the, is it immunoglobin? Yeah. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, so can you explain of, that? Um, yeah. Yeah. It's just the, you know, I guess what um, that's the immunological response um, to the allergen. And it's usually, you know, it involves the immune system. So that's the key um, with IgE. It's, it involves the immune system. And then, you know, you have that reaction every time that you eat that food. And it can be, you know, in very small doses. So that would be someone with a peanut allergy or, the, or a dairy allergy. Um, so, but the non-IgE can often be, um, you know, that your child can eat that food and be absolutely fine. Um, but a couple of that days later, the symptoms start showing up. Um, it can also sometimes be dose um, dependent, or they might be able to eat, say, eat it in baked goods, but not be able to drink, um, uh, say, milk, if we're using milk as an example. Um, and it's not to be confused with lactose intolerance. So IgE, we're always talking about the protein part of the milk. Um, so I'm just using dairy as an example because that's the most uh, common or one. And if we're talking about lactose intolerance, we're talking about the carbohydrate part of the, of the milk. So a child with a dairy allergy won't be able to drink lactose-free milk because there's still the protein part of the milk. So then, um, you know, that's a completely different uh, it's an enzyme deficiency as opposed to an immunological response, an yes. immune response. Yes, yeah. that is a fabulous mm. answer because uh, I had no idea about any of this prior to having children. And I've learned <laughs> so much about um, yeah. the, like you were saying, the, um, the, immuno the response by the body, but also yeah. the non-IgE, like I didn't even know that was, a thing <laughs> but it's still yeah, included yeah, as an allergy yeah. and there's just so much yeah. about and I love how you use the dairy as an example um, because a lot of people say their children are lactose intolerant when in fact it's the protein not the sugar so yeah. there's just so much to learn about that um, yeah, I could yeah. probably go on about yeah. that for ages but that's a perfect little sum up <laughs> for that um, okay I yeah. find that really yeah. a really interesting um, so we'll move on from Ooh. that um, I've got some more on that a little bit later, but um, as you know, here at Collider, we have lunch boxes and insulated packs and things like that, all lunchy stuff. Um, so I wanted to ask you, would you have five of your easiest, but maybe with the best nutritional value, um, little things that we can add to our bento boxes, like you've said? Yeah, yeah. My, my two girls both have bento boxes and I find mm -hmm. they work fabulously for for lunches um you know just in terms of keeping it separate keeping it clean you know it's not things are not running into each other and as I said my four-year-old loves things to be separate anyway so 
that works well for us. And then um, what I've also learned, because I, I have um, a, uh, Mina's in prep now, and uh, I've, I've uh, think by now I've got the the lunchbox thing, you know, um, <laughs> what do you call it? I've got it figured out, hopefully. Yes. Um, I, I also keep it really, really simple. I don't put too much pressure on myself to make it, you know, fabulous and fantastic and super interesting because, you know, it just comes back um, and uh, she hasn't touched it. If it's, you know, if it's too adventurous or, you know, I've tried to do that Pinterest perfect um, bento box and then, you know, they don't touch it. So what my girls love and what really works is um, I do uh, tuna wraps at least twice a week. So tinned tuna, um, mayonnaise with uh, tinned corn and um, peas, just like frozen peas. So mix that together and I have that in a wrap or mixed with pasta, like a little pasta salad. And they always finish it. They love it because it's, it's easy, you know, they it's easy to eat it's not messy um you know I'll just put a little fork in um in the lunchbox so yeah that that works really well my six-year-old would eat that every day if I let her um then I also bake what I like what I do bake and I know I said I you know I've, I've kind of not I'm not baking every day anymore but what what I do make is a healthy um healthy banana bread they both love it. So I just, I make it with buckwheat. Um, I can, you know, give you the recipe for your listeners if you want. Yeah, great. But I find my kids absolutely love it. It's so easy to make, very, very easy. And it's very healthy, very low in sugar. Um, the, you know, bananas give the sweetness. So I'll have that with, you know, a bit of cheese or a bit of butter. Um, and then I do a healthy black bean brownie. So it's a brownie that you make with, tinned black beans my kids love it so it's healthy little things so I, I make that say on the weekend and that's that lasts the whole week for both my girls because I'm just giving them small small amounts you know and um that's the other thing you don't have to give big portions for um for lunch because kids are when they're at school they they want to get get to the playground they don't want to sit there and eat for ages and that's what happened initially Nina would come back home and half of her food would be uneaten and I'd get so you know like I feel I spent hours slaving over this beautiful lunchbox and you're not so I've just really taken a step back and gone you know this is this is what's realistic and you know then we do little chopped veggies like carrot or um, cucumber again keep it simple um, and then something like, um, you know, a bit of berries or, you know, whatever's in season, really, strawberries, yeah. um, things like that. So the three basics is, um, again, like I said, with your um, dinners is an energy food. So it could be pasta, wraps or bread, or you could do something like couscous or quinoa. Um, you do your protein, like eggs is also a great lunchbox filler. Um, meatballs my kids had meatballs um, yesterday so if I've made it the night before I'll just you know pop it in the lunchbox for the next day and um, something like cheese you know some cube cheese in there and then add some color with your fruit and veggies so keep it simple again yeah, is my my message um, and kids don't need 
they don't need crackers. They don't need all these, you know, highly processed foods. I mean, you do get really healthy crackers and those are absolutely fine. I'm talking about say the rice crackers that are high in salt. Sometimes, you know, those um, adult rice crackers that Mm -hmm. kids absolutely love, Um, but they, they don't need it. They really don't. They just need simple whole foods and you know, you're doing well. Yes. Beautiful. Um, So for breakfast, Banjo is um, all about smoothies at the moment. Do you guys (laughs) do much smoothies in your house? Yeah. Yeah. Do you, off the top of your head? We do. Yeah, we do. I um, Oh, you're right. I always have frozen blue. It's a bit delayed. Sorry. (laughs) A recipe. Yes. Yeah. I was going to say, do you have um, a favorite smoothie combo that you do at your house? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm really lazy when it comes to, um, you know, trying new smoothies I guess I just use what the kids love and what uh you know what I always have in the house so I always have frozen berries in the freezer and I always have frozen banana in the freezer so that's our go-to so it's frozen berries uh, blueberries uh, or raspberries um frozen banana and then I'll use uh just some milk and um sometimes I'll add you know, for, if I make it for myself, I add raw oats. The kids don't like that consistency or I might add almonds. Um, but for the kids, it's literally just those three ingredients. It's blueberries, banana and, um, and milk or sometimes a bit of yogurt. And they, they love it. They just love it. And yeah, I, sometimes I freeze that into lollies for them. Yes, that's in, exactly in what the I was summer. about they to like say. It. So yeah. <laughs> Yeah, perfect. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. it's an easy that's a, one, isn't great it? Great one too. Yeah. yeah, they're really easy. Um, so easy. Yes. So yeah. I think you were speaking about. Um, I think you said Nina, who she was it. Nina, who went through the stage of not wanting to eat very fussy. You mentioned. Yes, both of yes. them. Albie, <laughs> Nina's now on the other side, but Elby yes. is still very much in the thick of it. Yes. Very much in the thick of it. Right. So she's four. Okay. Because I wanted yeah. to ask um, about food avoidance and fussy eaters, mm. as they say. Um, yeah. Sometimes it can be a stage. And I, I wanted to yeah. ask when, when can we say, okay, this is just a stage and when is it time for us to maybe look at a different approach or even seek help um, when our children yeah. may not be? Um, yeah, doing yeah. as well as we would have hoped. Yeah, very, very good question because I think there is it is important to see those red flags. Mm. So, for from my point of view, um, if if a child isn't growing and not gaining weight, that's always a red flag. So, yes. if if you um, if you're worried about your child's growth, um, you know, get get them weighed monthly or you know every second week plot them in their red book and make sure that they're following a percentile line. They shouldn't be, you know, dropping off a growth line. Um, you know, and if you're, if you're concerned, definitely talk to your GP or maybe go chat to a dietitian. Um, so growth number one, if your child is eating less than 20 foods, that is also a, a red flag. So, I mean, 20 sounds like a lot if you say it, but it's actually not a lot if you start, start counting you know, all the fruits and all the veggies. So if they're eating less than 20 and 
they and it's also now you know you notice that that's becoming even less then you're definitely you know looking at maybe seeking some advice a lot of um speech therapists are trained in um sos um therapy so that's a you know a good um you know they have some really good uh, interventions there that they can help help with and um yeah so i think growth and then the variety of foods that your child is is eating and mm -hmm. also if if your child starts to um so say for instance they were eating um uh, say meat different types of meats and um veggies and fruit and then all of a sudden they they just stop eating a particular food and don't go back to it so you know a lot of times children will say oh I don't want to eat banana um and then you know that's just the phase but if they don't go back to those foods again that is you know a sign that you might need to um just and, and again if they're starting to eat less and less variety of food that's when you become worried so yes um feeding um uh, fussy eating is actually very common, you know, at like 50% or, you know, I can't remember the exact percentage now. Um, but you know, a large percentage of children are fussy eaters, but, um, being a, a problem, um, eater or someone who is really, um, suffering from a nutritional point of view, that is, you know, something that needs attention. Yes. So, yeah, just looking for those red, red flags. Yeah. Yeah. How long um, would you say a stage lasts for? What is, you know, we all, there's stages all throughout parenthood in this um, circumstance. Is there, could you put a number mm. on what a stage is in relation to food avoidance or changing up what they're wanting to eat? Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't have a, a solid answer for that what I do know is <clears throat> excuse me at the age of two children go through from about 20 months um and two years sometimes longer children go through a stage known as neophobia so where they become afraid of trying new foods oh. so or they might just decide that foods that they've you know liked before they don't like that anymore so it's almost like a protective mechanism in a way where they just, you know, they will not try new foods. Um, so it's good to anticipate that as a parent, because if you don't know that it's a normal part of development, it can really cause a great deal of stress and, you know, frustration around the dinner table. So almost just knowing, you know, just anticipating it. Some children don't go through it and might just, you know, it might just affect them for you know a couple of foods or a couple of um weeks um and some children take longer to get out of that i can certainly say that i think albie is in that category she's <laughs> four now and she still is very reluctant to try new foods um but she started it is i can see that it is starting to get better um and that's why I'm not worried um, about her. And it's a lot of it was also to do with the way that I responded to it. So since I've kind of changed the way that I respond to her at the dinner table, things have also become a lot easier to manage. So um, yeah, I think as parents, we also need to ask ourselves, you know, um, I'm not saying it's the parents' fault by no means at all. It's just worth sometimes 
you know, taking a step back and looking at how we are responding to our fussy eaters. If it's a battle of the wills and, you know, who's, um, you know, winning the argument or um, has the upper hand, you know, they, the to toddlers are quite determined as we all know. And um, yeah, so it's, yeah, that has made a big difference for me. Yeah, I think that's yeah. in incredibly relevant in all kind, all facets of parenting, isn't it? To kind of um, step yeah, back and yeah. go, oh, I could approach that a little differently and it might just change. Something very small might change. Yeah, um, yeah the end result. That's yeah. really, really, really yeah. great advice. Thank you. Uh, so on the days you've said, you know, you're a normal household as well. So when all nutrition goes out the window at your house, um, what ends up on your dinner table? So what would your girls go oh. out and choose? <laughs> oh, man. So you mean the days when we just have our, you know, yeah, your two days. off. <laughs> yeah, my our two off days. Yeah. Yes, they love they love Nando's, and oh, I think uh -huh. that's you know a, that's a healthy option. You know, they often just go for something like the um, chicken tenders or um, you know chicken drumsticks. They do love their fries. If I let Albie, she will eat. You know, I don't know if she would ever stop if I just let her. Anyway. Um, uh, they love ice cream. You know, we'll take them out for an ice cream. And Friday nights, we usually have pizza, either homemade or, you know, we'll order in. So, yeah, we are just a very normal family. And I've learned, as I said, that, you know, being a dietitian doesn't mean that my kids will, you know, prefer healthy foods and, you know, love eating all those whole foods. Yes. So, yeah, it is just finding a balance and, you know, making food fun yes too. yeah That's, definitely you know, what I've learned yeah. yes mm. um speak still talking about your family do you have any uh have you any meals from South Africa or Ireland that you um that you use within your repertoire of meals of family meals yeah that's an interesting yeah I I am um, I don't have a lot of very traditional dishes but um the two that I that my kids love are it's a like it's a spiced um a spiced mince meat so South Africa has a lot of Malaysian um Indian influence also so it's like just a it's called babuati so the South Africans will know what I'm talking about my kids love that um and we also love um rusk so in South African culture we make rusks for breakfast so it's very different to the rusks that you would to baby rusks it's um it's almost like a baked uh cake in a way um that you dry out but it but it's very healthy like there's lots of seeds in there and lots of wholemeal um depends on what recipe you use and you dry it out and then you dunk it in your coffee in the morning and, and that's your breakfast rusk and very often people would just have that for breakfast. So ah. yeah, that's, those are our two yeah, things that great. we like in I our house. To, yeah. um, I might have to steal the recipes Get off that. They recipe. sound really interesting. Yeah, it is, uh, it is tasty. Yeah, yeah <laughs> lovely. I'm pleased I had lunch prior to this. Otherwise I think I'd be salivating. Uh, <laughs> um, so I did want to talk yeah. to you a bit more about the crazy big world of food allergies and intolerances in our children. Um, you've worked in your profession for a very long time. Do you feel that it's become more prevalent in children from, from what you've seen in your experience? 
Yeah, it's really such an, a growing um, area. There's so much research into it. Australia is really at the forefront of it. It's great to work here um, as a dietitian because there's so many excellent resources there for patients and, um, you know, the, as I said, the research into it. But, yeah, it's, it's, um, Australia is also the allergy capital of the world, which, and that's so fascinating to, uh, you know, when you look at the st- statistics. Um, so, yes, they, they think that it is becoming more prevalent and yeah, ongoing studies to find out why. But there, there is definitely a link between um, eczema and food allergies. So they find that children with eczema have about a 30 to 40% higher chance of having food allergies compared to those who don't have eczema. So the focus is very much changed now to getting eczema under control really early on. So, you know, healing that skin barrier so that the allergies don't get so you don't get exposed to food allergens through your broken skin, which, oh. you know, your body really doesn't like. Your body doesn't like being exposed that way. And it will then create that immune response. Um, whereas if you get uh, uh, exposed first through the oral route, through your gut, that is, gives you more of a chance to be, you know, tolerant to that food. And that's the way the body likes to be exposed. Right. So there's a big yeah drive now to get um parents with ch- uh, children with eczema to really get the eczema under control um from the start before oh. introducing yeah and then you know there's lots of guidelines on um introducing solids for children with eczema interesting and does that correlate mm. do you think um into pregnancy they say you know if what you eat through pregnancy is less likely to become um an intolerance uh for the for the baby or is is that correlated yeah. in any way so yeah previously they did think that but now um we know that it, it doesn't play a role just during pregnancy um we encourage moms to eat a variety of foods balanced diet um omega-3s probiotics you know just focus on a good nutritious diet and obviously if you're if you are allergic yourself you'll be avoiding the foods that you're allergic to when you're pregnant but you don't have to avoid any of the allergens while pregnant it doesn't have any effect on the baby yeah interesting yeah. it's yeah. yeah there's just so much information mm. out there so yeah yeah so much. and oh it does gosh. keep changing as yes. um, you know more and more research come come out in this area and we're certainly a far way um, along in that journey, you know, even 10 years ago, the, the recommendations were very different. Mm. Um, so, yeah. Uh, a lot of people don't know the difference, I didn't, um, between intolerance and allergy. Um, and I do think it's important to know those differences. Can you explain those uh, to us, please? Yeah, so I think... Um, we touched on that earlier when we mentioned the IgE and the non-IgE. So yes. those are all termed um, allergies, um, like involve the immune system. And then an intolerance would be like your lactose intolerance. That would be, um, uh, you know, where you have a, an enzyme deficiency as opposed to an, an immunological response. So, yes, um, yeah, it's very important to get allergy diagnosed correctly um i think if i could talk a bit about that you know just that there is a lot of 
um, uh, misinformation when it comes to diagnosing food allergy. There's um, some uh, people will go for, say, uh, Vega testing or hair analysis or um, IgG testing. There's a lot of um, a lot of people will take your money and you know sell you a product that doesn't deliver reliable or evidence-based results and yeah that's another thing that I feel quite um, passionate about is just helping parents to navigate that and not spend their money on things that will not give them the answers that they need um, so the only way to diagnose an allergy is through um, blood tests and it needs to be interpreted correctly so you don't always have to get a blood test sometimes it's irrelevant a skin prick test can be very useful um, with again someone interpreting interpreting that in the correct way taking your clinical history knowing what to look for and if it's non-IgE you need to work with a, an allergy dietitian to do that elimination diet put the food back in see if the symptoms come back so it all needs to happen you know in the right way um, it's very difficult to do that on your own I think um, as you say with so much information out there um, yeah so correct diagnosis and you know kind of walking that path with the right professional I think is is key yes yeah, yeah. I, actually um, mm. uh, yeah I was going to bring that up with you and I think you have uh, answered it well there but I know that um, a lot of people, I guess, in our day and age, um, like to, you know, self-diagnose or decide that they might like to follow a fad diet or go with vegan or gluten-free or, um, you know, whatever else there is, keto, um, based on what they may have seen someone else do or what might have worked for their friend or, you know, no medic, not for a mm -hmm. medically diagnosed reason. And I wanted to just ask you, yeah. what impact can that have um, on our children if we are to uh, put that over to our children's diets as well? Oh, massive. Yeah, that's, yeah, again, um, children need a wide variety of nutrients to grow and thrive. For us as adults, you know, if we take um, gluten out of our diet or if we take dairy out of our diet, doesn't have that big an impact if we take a supplement you know we make sure that we're you know meeting those requirements in other ways but for children they you know especially I'll get go back to dairy such a big part of their nutrition um plant milks don't um except for soy milk can you know sometimes be you know uh, uh, a good replacement but um certainly get putting your child on rice milk oat milk um uh almond milk it's it's not comparable when it comes to um uh dairy in terms of protein and in terms of calories so they've actually found that children in studies have shown that children with um dairy allergy um are um it affects their if if they're not uh, replacing those calories in their diet they and they can have long-term effects in terms of their growth so not their weight but their stature so that and stature always shows you um, or height always shows you um, long term nutrition. So that's the way of measuring, you know, if you're getting your nutrition over the long term. So, yeah, so fine. So really um, just taking things out of a child's diet um, 
uh, a lot of parents with eczema will will do that and I completely understand it because a child with eczema is it's so difficult you're not sleeping you know your child is in in pain it's 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 really such a, and I've I've seen that also when I was working in a children's hospital so I have a lot of um, empathy for that but working with a professional that can help you to navigate that is key so that you know you can replace it with the, the right nutrients and make sure that your child is still growing and meeting meeting their requirements yes yeah. it's that is yeah, yeah. it's extremely extremely important to seek appropriate yeah yeah medical yeah um yeah like you said evidence-based uh information mm. yeah thank thank you for um yeah talking to us about that so what do you think what are the most common um intolerances and allergies that are presenting now is dairy still the highest um that you're seeing at the moment yeah yeah um so dairy um and dairy is number one in in kids and when we talk about ige mediated allergies egg is also a big one um egg and peanut so dairy, egg, and peanut, the most common in terms of IgE, and then to a lesser degree would be tree nuts and fish and shellfish and soy. Um, yeah, so those are kind of your, but, but you know, children can have um, allergies to other foods as well. Those are just kind of your top eight yes. allergens and yeah. that caused about 90% of reactions. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Oopsies. I accidentally took up too much of Lizalette's time because she was so incredibly fascinating that I went into her school pickup time. But lucky enough, Lizalette agreed to come back on with us after she picked up her kidlets. So here we go with Lizalette for part two. Liz, I put it to my audience to see if they had any burning questions for you. So the first one um, mm-hmm. I had was. Does beer have any nutritional value at all? Oh, wow. That's an interesting <laughs> one. Seeing that I'm not an adult dietitian, I'm not going to claim to be the expert in this area. Um, <laughs> wine is still more nutritional because it has those, um, um, you know, the, the grape um there's like antioxidants in it. And now yes. I forget the exact name. Um, Resveratrol, I think. Some, oh, yeah. S- some fancy name. So wine, I mean, is the uh, the alcoholic beverage that has the most research behind it in terms of, you know, health and heart health to some Ooh. degree. But there's also, you know, a bit of a question mark, I think, around it now. But, you know, um, everything in moderation. <laughs> and... Um, yeah, I think beer is mostly just calories, unfortunately. I'm not sure that it has any nutritional value, but don't quote me on this because I'm I'm really not the I'm really not the one to ask. Absolutely so, not. Moral of the story <laughs> okay. is we won't be giving beer to our children. And secondly, uh-huh. that, that question was from my husband, so I think I can just tell him that. <laughs> It's fine to have maybe one or two. <laughs> Wouldn't it be amazing? Yeah, if there was, if we could justify it, any, you know, but it, anyway, yeah, it is what it is. Right? Yeah, he continued yeah. with um, what would be the comparison between a pie and a salad roll, but I think we can um, answer that one for ourselves mm-hmm. probably. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So yeah. I will go Absolutely. into um, 
maybe a more uh, pressing question that people may be more interested in than mm-hmm. what I'm going to eat between mm-hmm. a pie and a salad roll is um, an excellent <laughs> question came up from uh, a mum friend of mine and it really relates to my world. So um, as a mum of children with food allergies, like we're just used to the daily things that we have to keep in mind. But what she asked was how can parents um, who haven't had much to do with allergies um, and intolerances how can they be mindful of the other children around them when it comes to packing lunch boxes birthday parties and things like that yeah that's such a good question I think it is just asking questions you know um my little girl um in her class there's a boy with a dairy allergy and when it was her birthday uh, Nina's birthday this year I I happened to run into the mum at the park so I just said to her you know um what can I what can I send in that uh you know he would also be able to have and she said you know the easiest thing is just lollies because then nobody has to check labels there's no you know and, and she always sends lollies in for him to like the teacher has lollies in the classroom that she can give him if someone brings something in that he can't have. But she said then he doesn't feel left out. You know, everyone's having a lolly and he's having a lolly. So I think, and that's what I did. I sent in lollies and everyone loved it. The kids loved it. You don't have to send in a cupcake. It doesn't have to be because people then think, oh, I have to now bake, you know, egg and milk and wheat free. And it's so much hassle or, you know, how do I get, you know, it just, and it, it can just be something as simple as just changing a few things around and just talking to the mom. It's not a taboo subject. It's not, you know, something that you have to be super sensitive about. I will hope I'm right when I say that. Do you yes. agree, Kelsey? Yeah, like oh, you would rather people talk to you about it and ask you, you know, what, what can I do? Tell me, because we're, you know, most people, if, if you don't have someone in your life or, um, you know, a, a close friend with a child with food allergies we're all kind of you know it, it, it is difficult to know what what to do and what will work um so I think just talking to to the family and asking them you know yeah keeping yeah, it out in the sure. open yeah, yeah definitely and like mm. I think also we as you know allergy parents or with different foods um we don't expect people to comply with everything that we do either because obviously that's very difficult but you know if they're willing to ask you you're more than happy to share that with them so um yeah yeah, definitely what you've said yeah just open yeah communication I think is yeah exactly the way to go about it and yeah yeah inclusive like Mm -hmm. it doesn't always have to be food either like um you know you can have party bags Mm. that don't have food in them so yeah, there's yeah. there's lots Quite of different idea. different yeah. little choices. Yeah. Um. Otherwise, yeah. in Tucker's classmates are going to have to have like what, a T-bone steak instead of a cupcake. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure most Yum. kids won't complain. They'll, they'll love that. Um, oh, yeah, so it'll be funny. so different. So different. Yeah, oh. but I think that's so true. Is um, yeah, just it doesn't have to be food, and kids want to be. They just want to feel included and not be the odd one out. So. Yeah, I think that's the that's the real yeah the real issue here is is yeah that they not feel they don't feel left out or feel different. Yes, exactly. Know? That's perfect. Mm. Um, mm. another really good friend um of mine, and she's also an allergy mum, so we chat a lot about different little things. She asked, wanted to ask you how she can get her head around 
the extremely large amount of brands um, out there for managing different ailments like what you mentioned, eczema, um, when it comes to, you know, probiotics and things like that. Um, I thought that was also really relevant in many facets of feeding, like when it comes to converting to formulas and there's just so many brands of kind of the same thing out there. Like how do mm-hmm. we get our heads around that or is there a good place to go? I guess you guys is probably a great place to start. Yeah, there is. There's a really good um, website called um, Nip Allergies in the Bub. Um, and that's, you know, that's the, the website name. If you Google it, it'll come up. There's really good information on that. That's like, um, you know, expert advice on um, specifically on allergy prevention. And then um, I guess ASCIA, the, um, it's AS. Um, CIA, so the Australian Society of um, Allergy and Clinical Immunology. So they they have uh, really good resources as well. So yeah, it is just being mindful of where you get your information, I guess. And um, yeah, that you, because as you say, it's so overwhelming. If you start Googling these things, it's, you know, how do you know what you're meant to trust? So Mm. um, yeah, so I'm also happy for people to email me and ask me where to get information from or I could give you like a list of websites at the end that you could even you know list in your show notes to yeah amazing make people know where to go for information yeah yeah I think that like for me that's the that's so important is that people know where to get the right information yes. and not to waste their time you know because you're already time poor you know not sleeping um, you know, spending time uh, trying to figure out uh, where to get the right information sometimes is it's just, you know, overwhelming. Yeah, so, yeah, no, yeah. that that mm. is I will definitely take you up on that offer because I feel like that mm. would yeah, yeah help a lot of a lot of people listening. Um so that was mm. all for the questions. But lastly, just for a little giggle, can you remember the silliest or the most absurd question that you've been asked as a dietitian to date? Oh, my goodness. Um, oh, my word, Kelsey. There have <laughs> been a few. Yes. There really have been quite a few. But, um, yeah. Oh, my goodness. Now I can't think of one off the top of my head. <laughs> now I, okay. I just can't think of one off the, off the top of my head. But there have been times when – I think there have been times when I've um, explained something to the best of my ability and then – someone will ask me a question and I'll be like, oh my goodness, I did not understand a word that I just said. And then I'm like, you know, um, that's happened quite a lot. Um, yes. But then, you know, that might just be my own fault. And then we kind of go back to the, back to the start, back yeah. to the beginning. Um, yeah. But I can't think of an example at the top of my head now. Maybe that's oh where goodness. we say there's yeah. no, there's no silly questions. <laughs> yes. That's yes. what medical professionals exactly. say, really don't they? <laughs> Yeah. And they really isn't. They yeah. really isn't. You know, I, I'd rather people ask the questions and kind of yes. go away still, you know, wondering what, yes, this what is, to do. This yeah. is so mm. true. What about, um, yeah. I often think, oh my goodness, Tucker, like, what have you, what is this that you've got? What about um, the most, the, maybe the patient who's tricked you up the most? What, like, what kind of condition have have, can you think back to a condition where you thought, wow, that was really tricky to, um, to, you know, put your finger on or to manage? Mm, yeah, there's quite a few when it comes to um, food allergy, like a lot of 
um, food allergies can present similarly, but then, you know, it takes a while before you've, you've, uh, you've teased it out. So mm. yeah, definitely. Um, like uh, um, in Tucker's case, it, it takes a couple of years before these kids are fully, you know, diagnosed be- because it can look like so many other conditions. And mm. often they have to go through that full workup of, um, you know, eliminating everything before you get to the diagnosis because it's so rare. So I guess it's the rarer, you know, the conditions that are more rare that obviously takes longer because it's not at the, you know, it's not kind of at the front of your mind when you're, yeah. when you're, you know, starting off. Yes. So yeah, I'm because I, I used to work in a children's hospital, we did see like, you know, get the more complex cases and that's what the medical team is there for. You know, it's great working in a multidisciplinary uh, team for that. But yeah, certainly when it comes to nutrition, there's quite a few, um, a few that I can think of that have tripped me up, yes. you know, that have kind of, yeah, had us scratching our heads. Yes, but so, eventually you yeah, get to the bottom of them, I'm sure. You do, you do, <laughs> you do. And then it's just such a relief for everyone and also for the parents as, you know, just to have that diagnosis and to know what you're working with. Oh, um, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> the last thing that we do um, is called the Kaleido Quickie. So it's just a little game yeah. that I play with each of my guests. Um, so we just choose from, a, uh, I just get you to choose a number from one to five. Um, and that's, uh, I'll show you my little box. So that coordinates with one yeah. of my numbers. So you choose a number and I'll tell yeah. you what the game is. Uh, number five. Number five. Yeah. Number five. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. So um, it's just it's just this or that. So I just read you a list um, and you just okay. say which one you prefer. So okay. let's um <laughs> let's go. Bacon, bacon and eggs or pancakes? Pancakes. Ice cream or frozen yogurt? Frozen yogurt. Uh Sav Blank or a Moscato? Um, Sauvignon Blanc, I'd say, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, mum bun or your hair styled? Oh, definitely hair styled. <laughs> Not like I oh. never, I never get to do that. What a treat! <laughs> <laughs> um, matching or mismatched socks? Oh, I always have mismatched socks, so it would be great. I'll go with matching. That would be great. <laughs> dress, dress or jeans? Oh, I like dresses these days. It used to be jeans, but yeah, dresses. Thongs mm-hmm. or sneakers? Uh, sneakers. Bikini or one piece? One piece these days. Yeah, I'm getting older. <laughs> running or walking? <laughs> oh, I used to love running, but now I'm a walker. I love walking <laughs> in the mountains. So yeah. Yeah. yeah and walking. the last one in true COVID style, bra or no bra? Oh, I, would. I would have to say bra I'm, I'm on I'm on you know like yeah I don't know who's listening to this so I'll just say bra yeah. <laughs> you you are a pro- medical professional so play, it might be the best option safe. yeah I'm gonna play it safe Kelsey. that's right uh, well to, yeah. Liz yeah. thank you so much you've been such like an absolute gem and I've so enjoyed our chat um it's gone for much longer than oh, we thanks, expected Kelsey. but you're just so incredibly knowledgeable and generous with your time um and I'm just so thankful that you're able to come on today and 
I'm sure listeners will be learning so much from this episode. So thank you so much. Thank you. I really (laughs) really appreciate you inviting me on. Thank you. Thank you. And um, Liz, can you remind us where we can find you at Briz Kids? Yeah, so it's just brizkidsnutrition.com is our website and all our contact details um, is on there. So that's the best way to get in touch. Beautiful. Lovely. Thank you so much. I'll let you get back to... um, dinner time witching hour <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely <laughs> lovely thank you thank so you. much thanks Kelsey see you later.